out of Matthew 16. Um, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Matthew 16. I know he's emphasizing verse 18, but we're going to read the, the context. Uh, we're going to read Matthew 16, 13 through 18 to just kind of refresh our memory of what is going on here. Matthew 16, 13 through 18. I don't have a lot of patience, so if I don't wait for you, I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm really trying. All right, I'm going to start this thing. Forgive me if uh, you're still flipping around there. Matthew 16, 13 through 18 says, When Jesus came into the region of, I can't even pronounce that, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven and also... And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I'm going to stop there. Right? So if that sounds familiar to you, that's a good thing. Right? That's where he's been preaching from. That Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And what I want to talk about is how we need to be aware of God the Builder. That he's, he is a Savior, and he did obviously live on earth and, you know, taught and did the miracles and lived the sinless life and qualified to hang on the cross and shed this innocent, clean blood to make a payment for the world's sin. That's true. He, he died and rose again and is alive today. That's all true. But a lot of people don't realize he, well, they do. Maybe we just don't emphasize. He's coming back. And he sent his Holy Spirit as, as a working agent here while Jesus is not here. And there's a lot of things that are getting done. It's not like we're just, you know listening to elevator music for the rest of our lives until, you know, the good stuff finally kicks in. You know, all sorts of activities are alive and happening right now, today, as we speak, and will be taking place for the rest of your life. But you and I are totally able to miss out on all of it. We have the ability to be completely ignorant of everything that God is doing, if we choose to be so. On the other side of the coin, we do also have the ability to tune in or to actually be aware of what he's doing, all right? And so that's why Jesus is saying, I, not, not me, Jesus is building his church or his called out ones or what, you know, he's chosen to do in other people and what he's called them to do here on earth. Right? He's the one initiating this. He's the one behind the scenes doing it, okay? And so, but we really need to be tuned into this. We really need to understand Man, you know, um, I could miss out on this. Now, I know, you know, a lot of times at church, we, you know, we got on our nice clothes or whatever. We, we brushed our teeth. You might even use Listerine or floss this morning. You know, just get ready for church. So you're extra special today. But I'm not trying to beat you down. I'm just trying to say, you and I, all of us, sometimes we get it right and sometimes we miss it. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, it's okay to accept the fact that you still have a lot of stuff yet to discover. If you've already arrived, even Paul the Apostle, okay, obviously he said, I haven't, not that I've arrived yet. So if he hasn't arrived, I'm sure we haven't arrived yet. So I'm not talking negative per se. What I'm trying to say is reality, okay? There's so much more out there for you to grab hold of. And that's a very important mindset for you to have. If we come in and think, well, I've arrived. I'm at church. They're not at church, but I'm at church. Look at me. I'm here. I've arrived. I've been at church for 30 years. Well, that's awesome. That is really, really good. I mean, you know, 
Nothing wrong with that. But sometimes, you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes that mindset will creep in to where it's borderline arrogant. Is that fair or am I just being too harsh and critical? Because I can be harsh and critical. I try not to do that. I'm learning. I'm growing. Right? But I think that the, the proper mindset seems to be more of I have learned a lot of stuff, but there's so much more out there still for me to discover. Amen? For you to discover. And, and if you have that mindset, you will discover a bunch of stuff. You are actually able to discover something you've never seen before in your life. Multiple stuff. And so the idea that God or Jesus is building something in your life is the acknowledgement that he knows a whole lot more than you know. And you're going to feel ignorant the moment you learn something new. I remember I was helping this guy out at this house. We were changing light sockets, outlets in a house. And uh, we had to take the old sockets off and clip the wires because they were like circled around the outlets. So we clipped them, had to strip the coating off the wire and then stick them into the outlet. You know, you can wrap them around that little screw or you can stick them in the slot. Some of you guys are like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And if you don't, just, just roll with me, right? And so you just stick it in that little outlet and you put the new outlets in. And I'm like, cool, man, I'm going to help out today, and I'm here, and I can do this, you know, and there's no electricity in the house, so I'm not going to die. And, uh, and I had my little needle-nose pliers, and I felt prepared. And all of a sudden, I realized I don't have a knife, you know, and it's really hard to strip the wire, you know, if you don't have a knife. And so I told the guy, hey, you know, we're sitting here, and uh, I kind of felt a little dumb. I'm like, I don't have a knife, and it's really hard for me to strip this wire off, you know, get it into the socket. He's like, oh, don't worry. And he grabs this thing called a wire stripper. And he hands it to me. He's like, oh, just use this thing. And I'm looking at it like come from the moon. I'm like, what the world is this? And I put it on the wire, and you pull this trigger, and it like <laughs> grabs the wire and <laughs> strips it clean. One shot, you're done. Man, I pulled that trigger, stripped that wire. I was like, I mean, it was like I had graduated from Harvard. I was like, whoa, man, this is the coolest. I felt so dumb. I, I'm just trying to be honest with you. I felt, I'm like, I even said I've been alive 40 plus years, and I never knew this thing existed. Uh, do you know what a wire stripper is? You're smarter than me. And that, those things are awesome, man. You just, pew, pew, pew. man, we were, we, that was the easiest day. You follow me? I mean, you don't have to cut your finger accidentally and stuff. If you're, I know you've never done, you've never cut your finger with a knife like I have, right? But it hurts, all right? So, but the, the, the real, the, the awareness that I, I learned something so simple that many people knew about, but I, did, I truly did not know about. I was so grateful, but I realized God's building something in my life. It doesn't have to be that I walked on water that morning. It was in that day, and it really blew me out of the water. I don't know about you, but for me, I discovered the wire stripper. And to this day, I, it's like a big deal to me, you know what I mean? But this awareness that you don't know it all, this awareness that you will discover something new, and it, it's almost exciting. It, it is exciting, actually, because when you finally break through, you don't know what you're about to discover. If you knew, that would be really easy, you know what I'm saying? But it's like God calls you into that. Okay, and he calls you into that. So he's building something, but then you realize it's he's the one that's doing it. He calls you in. He, he brings it into you, okay? So this, this whole thing <clears throat> starts that you have to understand that, that God is calling you to something. Now, we talked about this a few days ago. God, first of all, he calls you, Father, God calls you to Jesus. You know, now a lot of people don't believe me, but this is true. You would be shocked. The amount of pastors, not, not this church, but I'm talking about in the United States of America or across the planet Earth, how many pastors that have been pastoring for 20 or 30 plus years and finally end up getting born again, all right? We're talking about good people that have gone to schools, that learned the denomination system, you follow? That preach what the denomination tells them to preach every Sunday morning. That, you know, they learn the lingo, they, they, but they truly, they, they have not been born again. Now, you have to understand, in John 6, Jesus said, unless the Father draws you to Jesus, you can't come to Jesus. You might hear of him, 
It's like if I served you a lobster plate. You looked at that plate, you say, that's lobster. You look at it, you say, smells like lobster, looks like lobster. But if you never really eat it, it's like you haven't really been part of that meal. You're just aware of, you're just looking at that meal. Well, some of these guys, I'm not saying this happens in every, I'm not saying to go judge everybody, but I'm saying it happens more than you, it's out there. People will be in religion promoting this religious system. Now, if you don't understand there's a religious system out there, you and I, we have a lot to talk about because it is alive and well. There's a huge structure called religion on this planet, okay? And it's out there, and there's people, instruments that are, are pumping this stuff out, establishing this system, and people hear of Jesus. They're around a religious environment, but they've never actually been born again. Now, how do you get born again? Like I said, the Father personally invites you and draws you to Jesus. Now, like I said a few nights ago, if you don't know, if you've been drawn to Jesus, that's a major red flag. Because you can't be drawn to Jesus and not be aware of it. When you're drawn to Jesus, buddy, it's going to rock your world. You can't be born again on accident. I know I've heard this, I'm not calling out names, but, oh, well, I just grew up in church. Well, I, I got born again when I was a kid, but I can't really remember. I don't care how old are you, if you can, if even children, when they, when they have an encounter with Jesus, they remember that, trust me. It's not something, you, can, you can't forget the moment you met the creator of the universe, right? That just, just don't work that way. So, so as we are called and as we are drawn to Jesus, one thing I can guarantee you could take it to the bank, you're aware of that. You're very aware. You're not just pumping out some religious habit or some system or some, you know, uh, routine that you're going through. Or you're not rubbing shoulders to be part of a, a fancy church where everybody's super accomplished. I mean, it, it, there's all sorts of stuff that goes on in this world. No, you're saying, I have been drawn to Jesus and I am aware of it. I know that it took place. Okay? And now I've got a situation on my hands. What do I do with this? Like, I've been born again. Like, all of a sudden, like, I'm entering into something entirely new. And so there's something inside of you that, that's kind of aware. It's kind of looking around. And you're like, well, now what do I do next? Now, see, Jesus compared it in a couple different ways. I just want to emphasize this. He said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you got nothing to do with me. Now, I'm sorry for all you, you know, tough guys out there who are not talking about cannibalism. You know, which obviously has taken place on earth. But he's, he's saying, man, you, it's like eating that lobster dinner. If you've, you've seen the lobster dinner, but until you eat that lobster dinner, it's not, you haven't arrived yet. Okay? He says it in another way. You got to be baptized into Jesus. I'm not talking about being baptized in water. I'm saying you have to be completely immersed into him. Now, I don't know if you're able to go underwater and not be aware of it. But I'd say most people on planet Earth know when they went under the water and came back up. I mean, it's just something about going underwater that wakes you up. When you're completely immersed into Jesus, there's no doubting whether that happened or not. If you're eating his flesh and drinking his blood, it's, it's talking about you're taking him in completely. You know that you're eating and, and, and consuming this. You're with me, all right? So this whole awareness is what I'm trying to emphasize. It's very, very, very important. I remember when I, <clears throat> I have a, I consider my life pretty unique, and I had kind of a crossroads uh, when I was a little bit younger to where I was going to end up going to Central America, and I'd never been to Central America before and never really had any plans on going to Central America, and my first stop was to go to Costa Rica, and they said, listen, you got to go to Costa Rica, and you're going to learn some Spanish, and then you're going to go to Honduras. All right, well. I go to Costa Rica by myself. And it's all fun and games when you're telling people, hey, I'm going to Central America, I'm going to Central America. They're like, oh, cool, you know, wow, you know, you're young. Then it's totally different when you get on the plane. You're like, what am I doing? I'm going to Central America. You know, like, you're like, whoa. And if you're honest with yourself, you kind of chill to go through. You're like, eh, it's a totally different ball game now. Well, I fell asleep. And when I woke up, I was looking out the window, and I, I saw mountains. They weren't small, but they weren't, 
they were tall enough, let's put it that way. But they were really different than the mountains I'd ever seen in my life before. They were tropical, I guess you would call them jungle mountains. And I looked down at those jungle mountains. I said, man, what have I gotten myself into? I'm in some serious trouble by myself. And I'll be honest, I was, I was a little bit nervous. And I get off the plane and, like, everybody's speaking another language. And it's really dirty and it's just hot and mass chaos. And I'm by myself, and I'm like, what have I just done? I have committed myself to something. I'm not sure if this was the right choice, to be honest with you. And some guy is there picking me up from the school I was supposed to go to and drops me off at this house. You're going to live with this family, and they don't speak any English. Good luck. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and um, it, it, it was strange because – I. You know, I had to live there, and you would think, oh, well, everything was great, but it wasn't great. My family never had an exchange student before, um, and they were a little rough around the edges. Let's just put it that way. It was a mom and her son. She was awesome. She was really, really awesome. But she looked at me like I was from there, and right away I started getting sick. And I was like, why am I getting sick? Why am I getting sick? And I was just tired because I would go to the school and I was constantly like runny nose and just like you had the flu. I'm like, my gosh, I mean, this is just the worst experience, you know, and I can't speak to anybody. It's hot. You know, I'm sick all the time. You know what I mean? And finally, I think it was like a couple, maybe two or three weeks of me, con every day I was always sick. And I thought, you know, am I going to die? And I can't call my family. And there was no cell phones and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, these people are going to kill me. And I'm lying in the bed. And one day, and I'm just telling you, this is where I was really starting to get nervous. She's, she's an she's a older Costa Rican lady. She comes in there and just rips, like, my shirt. I'm lying in bed sick. I'm like, oh, my God. She's <laughs> like, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's gone nuts. And she grabs some sort of, like, vapor rub, and she's like, bah! just rubs it all over my chest. I'm like, man, I'm about to hit this. You know? But I was so sick at the same time. I'm like, just, just let me die now. And she's, and I don't like smells. Uh, some people like smells. I hate smell, and I hate vapor and all that. I don't like that at all. And so I'm like, this is really gonna kill me. I mean, this is bad. And I and she scared me. I'm like, she's going to. This lady is going to kill me. And then finally, I said, God, why in the world am I here? Nobody cares about me. I'm going to die if you do not help me. And he's like, stop drinking the water. I'm like, duh. <laughs> and I asked her. Uh, I didn't really have the Spanish at the time. I knew book Spanish, but I didn't know. I couldn't pronounce it right. And so I'm like, uh, agua, you know, bad, bad water. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out. And I said, please. And I started boiling some water. And I started drinking boiled water. And I stopped getting sick. So I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then, like, a few days later, I'm just going to give you a few stories here to give you an idea. I, I was on the bus, and I was going into the city. And I put, oh, in the States, I always put my wallet in my back pocket. That's just the way I, I, I was raised. And two guys on the bus, one guy threw some glasses down and was like, oh, I can't see my glasses. I can't see my glasses. And being the ignorant tourist or foreigner that I was, I'm like, oh, I'll help you. And so I go down there, you know, and, oh, I'll find your glasses for you. I'm just like this. But when you're like this, what happens? Your wallet sticks out. And his friends over there like, you know, trying to steal my wallet. And I could feel it. I could feel I'm like, dude, someone's trying to touch my. I was like, what the world? What's going on? You know, but I was so eager to help this guy out. Finally, he just snatched my wallet out. And, I, when I, and then it got right off the bus. And like maybe a minute later, I'm like, oh, my gosh, man. So I just gotten over my sickness. They stole my wallet, had all my ID, my, every, my debit card, everything in there, my, a little bit of money. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then later after that, I start getting a tooth pain. I'm in my early 20s, and my wisdom tooth, one of my wisdom tooth. Now, there's no pain like tooth pain. You know, nerve, you know, nerve pain is, and this was not cool. Like, I was seriously in some major trouble. And I, so I told my, my mother at the house there, I said, ouch. <laughs> She's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, all right. She's like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> 
So she walks me down the street to her friend's house. And I walk in the house, and there's a dentist chair. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Like, oh, no, no, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and her friend comes out, and she's got this big needle. And she's, I guess, the neighborhood dentist. I have no idea. No sign, no diploma, nothing. Just, And I guess they were going to tear my tooth out. But it hurt so bad. I was like, just cut my head off. I really don't care at this point. And so little did I know, you know, she's got this thing in my mouth shooting me. And, uh, yeah, that w I couldn't speak a word to him. And I'm like, man, this is just. So it wasn't a lot of fun. All right? This is before I knew Sandra, before the kids. This is just me at a weird stage of my life, you could say. And I'm like, could it get any worse? Like, am I actually going to die? You know? <laughs> and who cares? And at this point, you're just at a weird, before you're married, has anybody been there? No? Yes? Good. So she tears out my wisdom tooth in the living room of the home and puts it in a Gerber baby food bottle. She's like, oh, here's your tooth. I'm like, dang, that's so it was huge. It was huge. Like, uh, uh, blah, 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 you know, thank you. Thank you so much. And I, and I walked home, and, and, and I thought, my gosh, this is just the strangest experience of my life. Like, and, and I can't get out of it. Like, I'm stuck in this situation and no way out. I had to be there for four months, and then I was supposed to catch a, a plane. I hadn't even bought the ticket. I was supposed to buy a ticket to go to Honduras. And so finally one day I'm like, God, listen, this is way beyond what I really ever thought it was going to be. You know, this is, and I just don't know. And I remember I was, I just got out of class for the day, and I was sitting on the curb, and I just sat down. I was just wore out. The whole experience was just wearing me out. And it was just, just a, one of those moments where you have a, a, like a revelation. Just, you become aware of something. And all of a sudden, it was like God telling me, Mark, you're gonna get, you, I'm going to give you Spanish. You're, you're going you're gonna to use it. Now, you got to understand, at that stage of my life, I could care less about Spanish. I just wanted to go to learn about Jesus. I didn't know anything about the guy, and I figured I probably needed to learn something before I built my life. And so this just dropped inside of me in a way very real, very rare. Like it wasn't my thinking. I, I was just sitting there. I wasn't expecting that. And it hit me so hard, I actually started to cry. I said, oh, my gosh, man, what? And I began to realize it was like, for lack of a better word, I was being immersed into or baptized into this scenario, but I was going to come through this and be effective in this environment, which I had no idea what was going on. I had no, I'd never been to Honduras. I, I barely was alive in Costa Rica. And here he's saying that I was going to get a bunch of stuff done. And so I was discovering this. But he called me to that. Are you following and the awareness of that calling, I hate the word calling, but that drawing, it wasn't like I was something, it just for me, that, that it, really, it really shook me up. Because I realized, man, that's not something I would have come up with, God. That's not something I would have pursued, God. But lo and behold, it was true. You know, the other students didn't have their wisdom tooth pulled in some lady's living room. The other students never got sick. I don't know how they got all these homes with purified water and stuff. I got, like, the ghetto home, which I loved her. She was, like, to this day, I, very few have loved. She just truly treated me as her, like a son. And when, when I left, she cried. I mean, she about passed out. And I tried to calm her down. It's like, oh, well, you'll have another exchange student. She was mad at me. Don't you say that, you know. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh, this lady really loves me. You know, I, I just wasn't used to that, you know. People loving you and stuff, it's weird, you know. <laughs> but uh, I just, but then I began, as it developed and I was baptized into all of that and had to go through all of that, I realized not everybody was going through that. Even in the Spanish language school, they did not know what to do with me because I wasn't a beginner and I wasn't like an expert. I was in no man's land. And thank God they were sharp enough and, and considerate enough that they actually came up with a whole program just for me. I had me and one teacher in almost all of my classes except for one where I had another student with me. That was, it was like, and everybody else had like 15 people or whatever in their class. And they just had to come up with something for me because I was such in a weird, unique, 
I was drawn into something that wasn't ordinary. Are you following what I'm saying? And I began to realize, I thought it was just, I didn't really think of it that way till later. And I began to realize that, that, that there's something going on. God is building something. God, 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 God is, is, is calling me into something. Right? And, and that's a really important awareness to have. If you don't have that awareness, you're just going to do whatever. You're not going to discover what he, what he has in store. Right? And that, that's, a, that's a dangerous place to be. Now, <clears throat> along with this idea of awareness, I, I, I wanted to read. We're going to switch real quick to John 16. But it doesn't just stop with one experience. All right? You might have an experience like mine where you could come up with, you can mention. But, but there's, it's a really long journey. Uh, some of them we get right. Some of them we botch them up a little bit or a lot. But <clears throat> we keep going. Right? And you have to understand, when Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it, he's talking about a very extensive, long project in your life and in our lives. So when you look at him and you see him, it's not like he's hired out as a contractor for six months and then he's gone. He, the work he's begun in you, he will carry it out to the very end. Now, your thinking of end is not like his. He sees way, 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 way beyond. We could do the math, you know, but how many? 365 days in a year. Well, 10 years was like 3,650 days, right? Well, you're going to live more than 10 years. Sometimes I do with the youth, I'll, I'll try to throw out some math. Some people hate math. Some people really get into math. But if you do the figures and you work it out, you're talking about, thousands and thousands of days that, that are before you. You'll say, well, who am I? You know, I'm just, well, I'm 50 years old. Well, you might be alive 40 more, 45 more years. You realize how many thousands of days, if you broke it down into, let's say, hours, I believe it's hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of opportunities. If you broke it down into minutes, it would be millions of opportunities. So literally before you, Jesus has millions of opportunities to do something in your life. He's like, you have no idea. I mean, I've got a plethora of opportunity to, to finally break through and, and accomplish some stuff. So when he says he will build his church or he will build you, it's a little bit more to it than what we think. All right? So here in John... 16, he talks about this idea of sending the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read this just to kind of stimulate our thought. You're probably familiar with this. In John 16, 12 through 15, Jesus is saying, I still have many things to say to you. Kind of pretend that that's him talking to you. But you cannot bear them now. No, millions of things. You can't, you can't handle that right now. It would be overwhelming. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All these things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. And so here we have this awesome future ahead of us, where... It's, it's a lot of stuff, millions of things, really, beyond all the stars in the sky. I mean, it's just all the sand in the sea. You know, it's just incomprehensible, the, the, the abundance of opportunity. But little by little, the way it's going to work, the Holy Spirit's going to little by little guide you into stuff. Now, he didn't say I was going to guide you into stuff or whoever. He said the Holy Spirit was going to guide you into stuff. And <clears throat> I think... We need, again, tonight, today, this morning, we're just going to, I want you just to think about it. Just think about some stuff, all right? I'm not, this isn't like a major point, but I just, something to think about. Think about the fact that the Holy Spirit is there, but at the same time, we have to give him the opportunity to speak to us. You know, um, my mom speaks a lot, like she can talk. And she's the type of person that will talk and never listen. You know, she just wants to talk. 
And one time I was on the phone, and I just got going, and I talked and talked and talked and talked. And, I would, and she would try to say something, and I would, I would talk right over her. You ever talk over somebody? And I kept talking. Finally, she's like, Mark, you're not letting me get a word in. I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. I mean, I, I could talk, you know. But for her to say that, I, was, I also thought, well, you're getting a dose of your own medicine, Mom. You know, sorry, Mom. But uh, I did think that. And so when you think of the Holy Spirit, you have to understand you, we have to give him the opportunity to talk. Now, the main way, now, again, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, but I, it does need to be said. The main way that we provide that opportunity, and there's many different aspects to it all. This is just something I'm going to throw out there, is the actual reading of the Bible. Now, to be fair, I'm not saying you, I'm just saying across the planet, most Christians have not read the Bible. And if that happens to be your case, just read it. And the reason we ought to read it, there's never too late. This is, I'm not pointing a finger in your face. But if you read it, you're giving the Holy Spirit opportunity to speak to you. Because the main thing he speaks to you is the Bible, the scriptures. And he reveals these scriptures inside of you. And it somehow clicks and somehow is applied to your life in a way that only God can do, only the Holy Spirit can do. And so don't let the devil rob you of reading Genesis all the way to Revelation. Now, if you get caught up in some boring stuff, just read through it and keep going, you know. And the next day you pick up and you just keep, but provide that opportunity because you need to be aware of that. Like, hey, am I providing God an opportunity to speak to me or am I just rushing through life and achieving all this stuff? But how much of this is God initiating? How much have I allowed him to have an input? Am I talking over him like Mark does to his mom sometimes, right? Mark goes, uh, you know, it's so important. Now, the difficult part, well, maybe for some people, uh, you can't read the Bible like you read other books. It's kind of like prayer. Most concepts of prayer isn't prayer at all. The word prayer, actually, I feel like has been stolen from us. Because when you think of prayer, you think of, oh, you know, some sort of formal, you know, method of pronouncing beautiful religious speech. And often prayer, they're not even talking to God. I would say a good chunk of prayer, they're not even talking to God at all. You know, I sometimes wonder if they're talking about me behind my back while I'm closing my eyes. Like, dang, is this guy talking about me? Or is she talking about me? Or is she talking to God, you know? But prayer is supposed to be a conversation. It's supposed to be a talk, right? <clears throat> you might talk to your dog. Dog doesn't really talk back, but kind of. You might talk to a friend. But when you talk to God and when you read the Bible, you can't just read it without talking to God. You have to understand, God is trying to build something in me. And when he's trying to use his word, so when I open it up, the first thing I have to do is say, God, I need to talk to you. And uh, I need to learn a whole lot of stuff. And it all starts right here. So we might not get it all done today, but let's just start. And you talk to him, right? Now, you got to talk to him about the nitty-gritty, like the, 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 the real guts of your life. You're ticked off about something before you open the Bible say, now listen, before we start this, I'm just going to tell you my neighbor's really ticking me off. And if he does this and such one more time, I'm going to hit him upside the head with this Bible. All right? Now, probably you're not going to do that, but you're getting stuff out of your chest. And what you're doing, you're praying, but it doesn't really fit the way we say prayer. You're communicating with God enough to where he's getting it off of your chest and you're revealing yourself to him. And really what you're saying is, God, here I am. Take me as I am. You might be as happy as can be. Say, God, man, I am so happy. I'm so eager to get I'm about to learn something. You might be in a good mood that day. Say, let's get it on, God, man. Well, I might even read seven chapters right now, man. I'm on fire, God. Whatever, wherever it is you may be at. Say, I don't know where you're at. And even if you seem to be somewhere, you may not really be there. But God's like, listen, I know where you're at, so why don't you just come out, come out and say it. And it's something, am I right about this? It's something about saying, God, I'll, I'm aware that you see me. I'm aware that you know me. 
I'm aware that you're trying to build something in me. You take me just as I am. I'm aware I don't get every little thing right, but you still love me. And we got to start somewhere, so let's just start right here, God. How about that? Is that real enough for you? He'd be like, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's really good right there. You know, and all of a sudden, you start reading like that, and you come across something, and be like, yeah, that's a little weird, God. You know, that's strange. You know, I don't really get that one. He'd be like, just keep going. You'll be all right. You know, and finally, you'll get to a point where you do grab hold of something. And I'm pretty sure all of us have had this experience. If not, it's coming. <clears throat> where you're reading the Bible with God, you're talking to him, and finally, like, something makes sense to you. Like, he, he speaks to you about from there. And you're like, whoa, no preacher told me this. Nobody's, like, shouting at me about this. I'm just kind of learning this from you, and it, like, really makes sense. And, it, you know, I'm not talking about strange, weird. I'm saying, like, just common sense, like something that just, just registers inside of you. You're like, man. And you put the Bible down, and you kind of go on about your day. You know, you got to go to the grocery store and fill up the car with gas, and you got to, I don't know what you got to do, but you're doing stuff, right? You're, you got stuff you got to do every day. But as you're doing it, it's like all of a sudden something initiated that day, and God, God's uh, building something in you, and you're aware of it. Are you, are you following what I'm trying to say? And so you're, you've provided that opportunity by opening up the Bible and talking to him and, and, and you know, just kind of grinding through stuff. I know you never have to grind through anything with your husband or, or wife. You guys always get along and always understand each other every single moment of your life. That's because you're amazing. But I don't know about you, but God and I, we have a few conversations about stuff that, that need to be dealt with. Are you, are you following? That's life, guys. That's the way it works. It's not that you hate each other, but you're working through some stuff. Same with God. You're working through some stuff. But when you finally get through and you finally learn and you're aware, man, he's doing something in my life. You're just, you're just so relieved. You're so relieved. You're like, man, now, now I can kind of work with this, and now this is going to help me. And now, you know, and, and next thing you know, you might open up the Bible again, and he might add to that because you're talking to him. And, and, and you're adding to you. are like, oh, man. And it's something about the word when it comes into you like that and is revealed to you in that way, it brings a certain, like, zip to your, to your life. I don't care how old you are. Something about renewing your youth, like wings like eagles or something. You might even... Squall around the living room. Wah, wah! I don't know what an eagle does, but you might. All right? But there's, do you understand what I'm saying? That, that vigor, that, 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 that excitement, um, the, 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 that breakthrough. And you're like, man, God, you know, you're, you're doing something in me. It's more, nothing wrong with going to church, but it's more than going to church now. It's actually marking my life. It's actually doing something in my life. And you're the one doing it, God. Thank you so much. And, and, and you're like, I'm aware of this, and I would like to discipline myself not to read the Bible and be like, I've read the Bible. Have you read the Bible? No, don't do that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about providing an opportunity. Amen? Providing him an opportunity to build in us. He said he's going to build his church. So he's already committed to that. And whatever he builds in you, it's not going to be defeated by by. Hades, in other words, the evil. You know, Bible says evil will be punished. It'll be judged and punished. So the stuff that he's building in you is not going to be judged and punished. It's going to be life-giving, and it's going to be rewarded, okay? And so this is how you discover the, what he's building. Now, a lot of people don't realize this, but most major things that have changed the world have not happened on purpose, They've been accidents. You know, they, they just accidentally discovered something like, wow, look at this. You know, oh, oops, it changed the world. You know, it, it, it just as they little by little piece things together and it's like a chain link, you know, it just kind of this connects to that, that connects to that. And, and as it grows, it finally gets to a point where it's bigger than it, you originally thought it was going to be. And it actually makes a difference. It actually comes together and, and works. I believe most lives end up being like that. You can't predict your future. You can't predict your life. I, I had the privilege of working with an older man, Jerry O'Dell. And I was young, and I was very ignorant of everything that I you know, was involved in. I had everything to learn. And, and I just remember him telling me, you know, listen, I never thought about doing this. 
I never made a master plan. Yes, when T.L. Osborne comes in, I will strategically maneuver myself so he sees how amazing I am. And I will be off to England to, to, to prepare the crusades and then poof, off to Africa. And I will, I will preach them all. I will do the stadiums and everything because I am T. Not T.L. Osborne. Jerry O'Dell. No, no, no. No, he, he was about as ignorant as they come. He was an 18-year-old kid that was a goof-off. That's all he was. He was a goof-off. But for some reason, his personality and the timing of his life, he, he began to get serious with God, and he was in the right place at the right time. And Osborne, some, for some weird reason, snatched him up out of all the hundreds of students that he come across and said, you're the one I'm going to take with me. And they ended up sending him to do all this stuff. And a lot of people don't realize this. Jerry, never, they never let him preach. He was a gopher. Everybody thinks, well, when was the moment when T.L. Osborne come and he just prayed and the mantle from heaven fell down upon you, Jerry? And you became like, was it Elijah and Elisha when you began the great crusade evangelist? He's like, no, really, I was just a gopher for like 20 years. <laughs> he couldn't even preach to the pastor's meeting. They, they wouldn't let him. They sent him with, I think it was back in the 60s. You know those old reels, those movie reels, click, 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 you know, and they would you know, shoot a little cheap projection onto the wall. That's what he would show the pastor. So he was like a Christian movie guy, I guess. And so he would set up the crusades in Africa, and he had this little reel that he would shoot onto the wall so the pastors could watch a movie in Africa. And then he would take all the equipment and put it in the truck. And that's what he did for 20 years. And believe me, after one or two years, I think he was getting a little bit frustrated because he was thinking he was going to, you know, preach and stuff and be the, the man and, and reach hundreds of thousands of people. Because Osborne was meeting, I don't know if you're familiar with T.L. Osborne, but he was reaching stadiums full of people. And Jerry was the one setting that up, but he was never getting a piece of the action, per se. He was just the gopher. And little did he know that how that chain link builds as he began to continue to cooperate with God, you know, and people would come and want to be the preacher and wouldn't, and they would leave. But the strength of Jerry was he was a frank enough to be honest enough with God and say, God, whatever you want me to do, if this is what you want me to do, be a gopher, I'm going to be a gopher for you. And he continued to do that, and little did he know, I don't know how many, 20, 30 years later in his life, this guy from India named Sam Chaladariah contacted Jerry and said, listen, I need somebody who can go out into these villages and do inner, like, rural crusades. I'm not talking about in the cities. I'm talking about rough, a rough guy that could go out there and reach who never heard the gospel in their life. They have no idea even who Jesus is. And he's like, well, you know, blah, blah. He's like, all right, I'll try it. And he went out to India, and it was literally... Like a, I mean, it's just sad. I don't know how. I don't have the words, but he he began to preach the gospel in places that no one had ever preached Jesus before. They had never heard of Jesus before, and believe me, from gopher to raw evangelism was a big shock to him. Um, they would have crusades fields way over 100,000 people. At the beginning, it was massive, massive, massive. And I don't know how many millions upon millions of people they have reached, but it's a lot, okay? And what I'm saying is Jerry did not know that. You don't know what these chain links lead to. Now, it's not going to be like Jerry. You're not a photocopy of somebody else. You're you. And so as you develop you and not try to be somebody else, but you're real with God and chain link your life as to what God is building in your life, there is something down there that, that's worth it all. That, that's hard to stay with it and, and trust and believe that, but it's true. Even Abraham had that struggle. Okay? But in the end, there's a, purpose, there, there's, there's a destination through all of that. Okay? And so what I want us to think about is this awareness, guys, this awareness that God is building. He's called you to Jesus. That's an amazing thing. He, he, he's sent the Holy Spirit, so we're trying to allow him the opportunity to, to speak to us and to build. We're trying to do, do those things that, that he has for us to do. Um, like the one preacher said, the worst thing about right is good. 
You know, be careful. You might do a lot of good things and not do the right thing. All right? And so you have to understand, as that builds, but we're going to read one more scripture, and then I'll be done. Ephesians 2, if I can find it. Ephesians 2.10. Oh, yeah, that was quick. I got there. One more thing to think about. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right? So he's saying you are his workmanship. You are something that he has built. And he has built that not for you to wait in an elevator and listen to elevator music. Yet, it specifically says there in Ephesians 2.10 that he has built you for good works beforehand. He already knows what he's got in store for you. And since he's the only one that knows that, what's left for you to do is to walk in them. Now, that's not something I can do for you. That's the task that's laid before you, the one that he's built, the works that he's prepared. Now, like I said, the danger in that is the difference between good and right. You might do a whole bunch of good stuff and not be the right thing. You know, you might not be aware of what God has prepared for you and do something else. We say, well, Marcos, that was a really good thing. I fed a lot of starving children. And what? Well, might have been. I'm not your judge. The only thing you have to choose and decide, was that what God had for you? I don't know. And I have no right to judge you. What they say, only God can judge me. That's true. The Bible says we're not supposed to judge one another. So that's it. the ball's in your court on that. The ball's in my court on, on mine. But what we do have a reassurance of knowing is that <clears throat> there is a difference between good and right. And as I open myself up and learn, well, he's not going to send me to just some good thing or, you know, or just random thing. No, he's going to send you to the right thing. And you're designed for that thing. So don't get sidetracked into other things. And that's the responsibility upon you. So you have, like, <clears throat> I call it good seeds and fake seeds. You got an authentic seed of the kingdom of God. So when you go out there and God tells you to do something and you do it, I don't care how big or small it is, let's say it's small. Somebody goes out there and does a fake thing. Let's just say, we're not judging, I'm just saying, it, before God it was actually a fake thing, but it was big. Do you know that that fake work is actually a seed on earth, but that seed is a fake seed. It won't produce for the kingdom of God. You, if you do a small thing, but it's authentically from God, and you do it, you obey him, it's a seed. And that, that is an authentic seed from the kingdom of God. You were like, well, all I did was something small. I mean, what, it doesn't matter. You have to understand the importance of doing the right thing is if it's small or big, regardless, it's a seed. And you're sowing that seed. You know what you're doing. You're aware of what you're doing. And doing this thing, it might be small, but I'm leaving that seed there. And then I walk away. And God only knows what that seed's going to grow into. But it's the authentic, real seed of the kingdom of God. Deal with it. This world can't handle that. The gates of Hades can't destroy that. And I don't have to worry about it. Because guess who grows that seed? God does. I'm not the one in charge of building the kingdom of God. Thank God for that, Lord. I don't have to worry about that. All my part was to understand what he told me to do and do that right thing and let that seed be real. I've run across some pretty strange stuff. But one of the strange things I've run across is the whole concept of the name of Jesus. Now, people say the name of Jesus to whatever it is they want, and it don't work that way. I've met numerous people who be like, well, I want this. So in the name of Jesus, I'm going to have this. And I'd, and I'd be honest with you. If I had to guess, that has nothing to do with the will of God in many cases. But the actual context of that isn't asking God. You don't ask God in the name of Jesus. You know what that word actually means in Greek? You're demanding God. And the idea is it's because Jesus himself wants this done, not because I want it done. So anything you ask in the name of Jesus, Father, I'm commanding this to take, 
take place. This is coming to life in Jesus' name because he's the one that's in building the kingdom. He's the one that's initiating this work. And it will be a seed for the kingdom of God that will grow into something that he determines it to grow into. Are you following me? You're demanding it. Amen. Hallelujah. You're, you're commanding that because you're, you're, you're aware of what he wants. God is a very passionate God. He's full of zeal. And the kingdom actually will be developed through the zeal of the Lord. All right? So if you can't pick up on his zeal, you're missing, you're, you're half asleep on this whole program. There's a zeal involved in this. And when he, he starts sending you into stuff, you're going to know it's him. You're like, oh, man, you know, I can't shake this now. I, I've got to do this, and I'm not going to sleep till I do this. You know, and, and you, there's this authenticity about it. Amen? Have you experienced that before? Do you feel that sometimes in your days, in your weeks, where it's like really important for God for me to do this, and I can't rest until I do this? And when you get it done, you feel great. Oh, thank God I got that done. I can sleep like a baby tonight because, you know, that seed is sown. That life-giving work is done. He's prepared these works for us. Amen? And what I want us to think about tonight is our challenge is to be aware of these things. Not to be sleeping Christians like zombies that just go to church and go home. Go to work and go home. No, we are incredibly powerful individuals with immense amount of purpose. I'm not saying it's always easy. I'm not saying we always get it right. But what I'm saying, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. But what I do want to emphasize is the real is out there. The authentic does come your way. And when you grab hold of that and you begin to, to be aware of that and you sow it, the results of that situation is like none other. Not only for the actual work you did, which, which brings life to other people, but the seed that is sown continues to bring life as you leave that situation into the hands of God and leave it in this world for it to, to, to sprout and grow and, and to do whatever it's destined to do. That's the type of power that you've been drawn into. That's really what is before you. And in the millions of opportunities that are ahead of you, eventually you're going to get something right. And when you do, I'd say one right counsels off a whole lot of wrongs. It's, it's literally that, that tiny, like, mustard seed that is that powerful. When you finally get it right and you finally just do something, it's like, man, that, that, that wasn't religious, phony stuff, man. That, that was actually a life-giving moment that marks a difference on planet Earth. Amen? Think about it. Be aware of it. The more we're aware the more results we'll see. Amen? Let's pray. Are we, do, we have to, do we sing? I'm sorry, guys. I, I'm clumsy. I'm pray and get out of here. You guys hungry? Did I go too long? Dang. One minute too late. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the, the work you've begun in us. And we just ask that you make us more aware of what you want to do, that your kingdom will be built through us, that we will heed to the opportunity, Father, to do what is right, not be distracted by good things and fluff, but to be sharp, to be keen, to be on, on, on track and to get stuff done, to let those authentic seeds be sown for your kingdom that make a very powerful difference, Father. Strengthen us, Lord, bless us, and prepare us for the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. God bless. Pastor Mark will be back soon. In the name of Jesus.